Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the show. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Melissa. I run, um, I'm the co-founder and content creator for Millennial In Debt, which is a platform where people share their information about their financial journey, their debt-free journey, their financial struggles. And I provide as much advice as I can, as well as sharing my personal uh, journey to debt freedom and paying off over $100,000 in student loan debt in a little under five years. Um, I'm also a full-time high school teacher in New York City, and I graduated this month, 10 years ago, actually, so that's super exciting, um, with a degree in English literature and a master's in adolescent education. Wow, you're a powerhouse. (laughs) Thank you. So as we kind of chatted quickly before, you know what I mean? I was saying that um, I would love to hear more stories and just share and facilitate more people being able to tell their story about, you know, getting debt free and their financial journey um, to being in control of their money. Um, because I feel like people think that, you know, I want to say we, cause I'll be debt free. And like, by the time people listen to this, I think I'll be debt free. Oh, um, congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. Like people think that we're um, unicorns, uh, and it's not—it's not necessarily the case. But it does take some some key factors in, you know, accomplishing something like that. What would you say some of those key, you know, um, contributing factors are to you having gotten out of a hundred? you know, over a hundred thousand dollars in debt in a little bit less than four years. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of times people are like, oh, well, if you go to a big fancy private school or you go to a big fancy like private high school that you've got it made. And I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. I did go to private school all my life. Um, but that wasn't through my parents just being rich or anything. It was through their hard work. I am a first generation American. So I didn't have anything before me to kind of guide me and how to manage money or how to attend um, higher education. So that's something that I definitely always voice that, yes, I did have the honor and privilege of going to private school all my life, but I paid my way through um, private university. And I think one of the key factors in starting a debt-free journey and reaching um, debt freedom is really educating yourself. Um, I know... (laughs) I know it's cliche, but it's just like you need to really educate yourself on how much you're borrowing and what that's going to look like when you graduate. Because I didn't borrow $100,000. I borrowed $56,000. And by the time I paid it off, it was over $100,000. So I wish I had known how interest works or what a promissory note was or that by during my grace period that I could actually make payments and I didn't have to wait for the grace period to end in order for me to make my first student loan payment. So these are just things that I wish I had known. Um, earlier in my debt-free journey. So educating yourself is definitely a key factor. Um, Learning just about the power of money. I read 
seven million books a year about just <laughs> what money is and and how it it could impact your life and i think especially now during this pandemic people are really really realizing how important it is to have cash and how it is how important it is to have very minimal liabilities if you can or as, as little liabilities as possible um and as i got further into my debt-free journey i I made it a point to not take on credit card debt and not to borrow more money because I wanted to have as little liabilities as possible. And seeing that debt decrease and seeing my net worth increase really was the motivating force to keep going. Woo! <laughs> because, you know, you, you start out, especially with student loans, you start out with one amount. And over time, you start to think like, this thing is like a, I don't, it's like a monster. It's like a weed. It just keeps growing, you know? Right. And the lack of, the lack of education on the part of, you know, higher education institutions, or it's weird because when you're 18, you're an adult, right? Technically, Mm -hmm. but there's things that you can't do when you're 18, but you can borrow however many hundreds of thousands of dollars with not really much of without really many barriers and so it's wild to me that that that's the case and that's why it's so important to empower yourself with knowledge so that you don't find yourself in this hole down the line wondering how you got here you know right because no one no one's going to care really if you say well I didn't know right that that's always the thing I didn't know I would have made a different choice and it's just like your loan provider's gonna be like well sorry to hear you didn't know but you still have to pay this money and we're still going to compound this interest daily so it's just like Okay, so that's I didn't know means nothing. So that's just and that's why I take it so seriously as an educator now in the public high schools to not only do just English lessons, but to really focus on financial literacy and what you need to do at 18 that'll help set your life up better for when you're 25 or 30 years old. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really important to find a way. I mean, you know, some people don't have the opportunity to be exposed to the information, right? But, and I think it's a disservice on the part of like early childhood education. And that's just the system um, that we don't talk about these things earlier on in palatable, you know, age appropriate palatable ways. Cause I think about it and I'm like, what did I learn about personal finance? I think at one point we must've talked about something like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, in math class, you know, I'm like, how did we take math every single year? And we didn't talk about personal finance. Like how did this happen? <laughs> but I can't blame anybody else because no one cares. If you say, I don't know, right. You're the one that signed the piece of paper. Right. So, right. <laughs> so it's, it's on you to, to be responsible for that thing and that's why I'm kind of crazy in that I'm like well loan forgiveness I'm like I didn't I'm I don't need to be forgiven like I didn't do something wrong I made a decision and now I have to be accountable for that decision and deal with the consequence of that you know what I mean and so for me at least personally I'm like I'm not gonna sit and wait for loan forgiveness I'm gonna get myself I'm gonna empower myself to get out of this mess quicker than that because ain't nobody got time what if they change their mind that's just a good question to ask. Like, oh, we're heading towards. I'm like, nope, just kidding. It's like, well, all right. <laughs> Guess I'm still still responsible for paying back all this money. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I'll just have to edit that part. Sorry, I don't know. It got That's okay. That's okay.
Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want the laws to change, but in 10 years and this whole time I've been waiting, only paying the minimum. And then I still have to, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, that loan forgiveness thing, just kidding. Like that's not real. Right. And even with the loan forgiveness programs that are available now, they're making people jump through extremely difficult hoops. And then when they jump through these hoops at the end, there's still the, the high possibility that they don't get the loan forgiveness that they've been on track to receive. Um, I, I was discussing earlier a couple of months ago on Instagram how the federal program that is supposed that was supposed to start paying off people's loans starting in 2017 has only paid about 800 people off and there's been about 50,000 applications. So it even though loan forgiveness is a thing that they're moving towards, it doesn't seem like it's going to be one quick, easy, everyone gets their loans forgiven. It's going to be something that's really difficult to attain. And just as you think you're about to get that forgiveness, they still have the opportunity to tell you no. So it's it's very difficult. I'm all for loan forgiveness, but I also want people to be empowered to know that they can have another way in and they can pay these loans off um, with a little ingenuity. Yeah, I think it's more so about knowing what your options are and being able to weigh out what what would be the most, you know, the most productive, helpful, healthy option for you. So because I feel like so many people think that there's only one way. They only they feel like loan forgiveness is the only way that or death, you know, <laughs> right. And there's other ways. Now, is it easy? No, I don't think it was easy for you to have, you know, paid off that much in student loan debt. Um, I'm sure there were sacrifices that you had to make. There were choices and decisions that had to had to be made along the way. But you looked for another route and you found one and you committed to that and you accomplished it. Yes. Yes, I did. Thank you. Um, It's it's extremely difficult. And I always, always tell my story with great caution because everyone's story is very different and everyone, everyone's ability to pay off or pay certain things is very different um, because we have different difficulties in different lives. So I was very fortunate to live at home um, during the time when I was paying off my loans aggressively. So I didn't have rent to pay, but I did offer my parents, you know, I would pay a bill, I would pay this, I would pay that because I didn't want to feel like a freeloader. But I definitely had my main goal in mind was, okay, you need to focus a majority of your money of your income on paying back these loans aggressively, because the first five years um, after my graduation, I was paying the minimum. And I was waiting on student loan forgiveness and it just didn't come and it just wasn't decreasing the balance, my principal at all. And I was frustrated and I wanted to move and I wanted to travel and I really want to start living my adult life or the, the adult life that I pictured in my mind when I walked across that graduation stage. But I was stuck because I had all of these liabilities. I had all of this debt that wouldn't allow me to step forward. So I, I stopped going to the movies. I put travel on complete hold. I wasn't traveling anywhere but to work. Um, I wasn't going to like group dinners, birthday parties. I wasn't getting my nails done. So all of the things that I thought were like, I couldn't live without, I had to because I had this goal that I really wanted to achieve. And, and everyone's always like, oh yeah, just cut back. Don't go to Starbucks. I mean, that is a great, a great option, but I also had to make more money in order to pay off more money. So I did a lot of side hustling and I made sure that all of the overtime opportunities that I had in my job, I was taking them because I knew that I had to make, I had to increase my income in order to pay off this debt faster. Yeah. I think that it comes with the combination of, you know, slashing and like slaying your budget to the bare bones 
minimum and then ramping up as much as you can, you know, your, your income so that you can be making more to pay off more. But like you said, everyone's situation is so different that it's really challenging to, you can't, we can't just have like a blanket statement. And that's where I think that, you know, outlets like millennial in debt and, you know, different, having different options, at least being exposed to information where people can learn and have that education piece so that they can come up with a plan that works for them or find accountability or or find resources um, that help to support them coming up with a unique plan is so necessary. Right, right. Because everyone's debt-free journey will look different. And it's great to have like mentors are great to have people that you look up to because I definitely have mentors and people I look up to, but my journey can't be exactly like theirs. So I have to always just embrace all the information and gain all the knowledge and then take the steps that are right for my, my journey. Yeah, I do definitely recall, you know, at some point I would, I would miss a lot of birthday parties and gatherings and things like that, not only because I wasn't spending money, but because I was working so much. But when I did attend those things, the funny thing is that I would go to the restaurant, but I would like bring my own food. (laughs) (laughs) I do not blame you at all. Those group dinners are tricky and expensive. I was like, um, I'm going to come hang out with y'all, but I'm letting you know now I'm bringing my own food. And when servers would walk by, I'm just like me with my like Tupperware. <laughs> looking oh. them in their eye. <laughs> but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. So you had mentioned frustration around, you know, um, paying the minimums and not feeling like it was moving or going anywhere, but having this desire to travel, to do things that, you know, money would be able to fund so what was it that sparked you making that decision like what was there a certain day was there something that you listened to or read that made you like you know what I need to get rid of this yes so at 25 years old the ripe old age of 25 I decided that I wanted to look up houses like I wanted to buy a house I wanted to move I didn't want to live with my parents anymore Um, and I had no idea what the process of buying a house was like. Again, I didn't have the knowledge or understanding of what it took to buy an actual home. So I reached out to real estate agents and I was getting all these pre-approval like letters like, oh yeah, we can do this, we can do that. So I I met with a real estate agent who got me pre-approved or had a pre-approval for me for $250,000. And I was just like really frustrated. I'm like, well, I have really excellent credit. I've been paying all my bills. I don't know why I'm pre-approved for so little. I'm like, what house in New York am I going to get for $250,000? Like a Barbie house? Because real estate in New York is outrageous. So he told me or he explained to me that the reason that I was pre-approved for so low and that I wouldn't get any more money from a bank is because of my debt to income ratio. And before he said that, I had never even heard of what a debt to income ratio was. And I was just like, I don't understand. I have a full-time job, I work, I pay my bills, I have good credit, what is the problem? And he's just like, well, the bank looks at you as a, a massive liability if they give you any more money than, than this because you have all this other debt and you only make this amount. There's no way you'll be able to pay off your debt and take on this new mortgage. And I was just like, oh. So my student loans are preventing me from borrowing more money. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I was frustrated. So I, I went onto my student loan like portal to look and see that it was way more than the $56,000 that I had borrowed. It was a- approaching almost 80,000 at that point. And I was just like, wait, what is going on? I've been paying off 
well, since I graduated in 2010, there's no way, like this doesn't make sense. And when I called them, they were explaining to me, well, you're on this graduated repayment plan because you got kicked out of the income driven payment plan and all these things. So basically I was on a 30 year payment plan to pay off these loans. And I was mortified. I, <laughs> I couldn't even believe that people would take 30 years to pay off a, a thing that they, they did when they were 21, when they graduated at 21 years old. So I started freaking out. I went into my room. I started crying. I was like pissed off to no end. Um, and then it took a few days. And I was just like, you know what? I need to pay off this debt. Like I need, I can't have this dragging around with me. I can't have it keeping me from doing all these other things that I want. I need to pay more than just the, I think at that time it was like 210, 210 a month I was paying. I was like, I need to pay more than 210 because this, this debt is not going anywhere. So that's when I started um, saving pretty much 80% of my income into my savings account on a monthly basis. And what I would do is at the end of every calendar year, I would pay off one um, debt completely, like one loan. Um, and I would choose to pay which loan I would pay off based off the interest. So I had some loans that were at 16% interest rates, 13% interest rates. So I wanted to get rid of those, even though they didn't have the highest monthly payment, they, they were adding the most money to the principal. Um, so that's like how I decided. And then I finished paying in 2018, December 2018, and I bought my first house in January 2019. So it was just like, I knew I could do it. And I proved that real estate agent right and wrong at the same time. That is amazing. Yeah, I think that, you know, sometimes you don't realize what is getting in the way until something forces you to see it. So your student loans were there, you were paying on them, but you didn't realize that they were an obstacle to these other um, areas of your life or places where you wanted to grow and expand until you tried to go and, you know, see if you could get a house. And they're like, nah, girl, you're going to get a shot. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what they were like. Uh, No. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. So I think, I, I mean, I assume that it has to have taken like an extreme amount of discipline to have a lump sum of money sitting in the bank. I don't know if you had it in a different account where you couldn't see it or something like that. I'm like all that money and you didn't spend it. Like, how did you how did you stay focused and not say like, huh, I could just buy a car. Or I could really go on a luxurious vacation with this much money. I know. I was like, I could run away. Like I could go to another country with this money. <laughs> Um, it, it was tempting and I did have it, it, this again was before I even knew what like high yield savings accounts were. This was knowledge is such powers. It was in a regular savings account, um, that I had, like where I had my regular banking and checking and I would look at it every time I would transfer money into it. I would just look at it and like, Oh wow, look at you growing, but simply to go straight to Sally Mae. And I would just stare at it. And I think that actually brought a lot more sadness you know people would be like oh but sure you have this lump sum of money you should be happy and proud I was just sad I was sad all the time I was sad I couldn't go out and celebrate with friends I was sad I couldn't spend this money the way I wanted to because I earned it I feel like I worked so not I feel I did I worked so hard to achieve it and earn it and I couldn't do anything that I wanted with it so it just it was an immense amount of sadness and shame and embarrassment for putting myself in that situation and and pretty much thinking yeah, I'm the only one who could dig myself out. So I better not, I better not buy that Louis Vuitton bag or I better not buy those new pair of sneakers. So it was it was almost like punishment, which is a terrible way to deal with anything. And I'm glad I went through it so I can like help other people avoid that. 
but I really just felt like I was in in a punish a zone a punishment zone where I'm like if you spend one dollar of this like you're gonna feel guilty because you know you have to pay this debt you don't need anything else um so that was just like a really dark time just watching all this money lump up in my in my savings account yeah you know the funny thing is I just did an episode on discipline and how it leads to dollar signs. And I looked up the definition of discipline because I feel like we learned everything we needed to know in elementary school. And we use words that we don't really understand the context of. And when I looked up the definition of discipline, punishment was in the definition. And I was like, <laughs> what? Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is crazy. And then I was like, no. Then I thought about it and I'm like, okay, well, if you don't practice discipline, you're going to be punished. So, so in taking out student loans and not really understanding what was going on, what the, what the interest rates were, or how it was going to you know, affect you. And this happens to all of us, me included. Then you were punished when you went to go buy a house and they were like, you can only afford a shack. Right. So there's going to be punishment almost either way. You're going to be punished with the consequence of the choices that you made that you, that you were not disciplined in doing, or you didn't have the education to make a better decision. Right. Or you have to deal with the punishment, which it feels like punishment, right? To, to not hang out with your friends, to, to slash your debt, to stay at home living with your parents when you're like, I'm over this, you know? <laughs> um, and, and allow that to be the catalyst to something that is, you know, even better later on. And so when I looked at it, I was like, what? Punish- discipline is about, you know, punishment? What? But you, we have to deal with the consequences regardless. Right. And so we have to choose which, which consequences we want to deal right. with. Right. Exactly. It's difficult to work your way through school. It's difficult to work your way through school. It's difficult to stay on a budget, but you can deal with that punishment or you can deal with the, the punishment of what it would look like otherwise. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's going to be difficult either way. It's the same thing with like fitness or anything else that we, we have to work really hard to achieve you have to pick the difficult, right? It's going to be difficult one way or it's going to be difficult the other way. Which level of difficulty do you want to deal with? Um, so that's that's what kept me going. Even though I was like, I feel so punished. I've made all the wrong choices. I was just like, yeah, girl, but do you want to be in your own house or do you want to be paying them for 30 years? Like, which, which, which do you want to do? Like, which side do you want to be on? I love that. I can only imagine what lessons that you learned on your debt-free journey I know that I learned things like humility and commitment (laughs) discipline so what would you say are some of the the key takeaways or the things that stuck stick out most for you in what you learned from your debt-free journey um I think my debt-free journey really made me uh it gave me a lot of ingenuity. It gave me a lot of like tenacity and know-how because every every blockade that came my way, I was like, all right, I'm, I can't just sit here and give up. I have to figure out a way around this. I have to figure out a way to make money. I have to figure out a way to be more organized, to be able to work a full-time teaching job, which is demanding, as well as take on four or five different side hustles, which at around between 25 and 28, I was doing like four or five different side hustles on the weekends and after work and working from 7 to 3 p.m. in the classroom. So it really made me organize. It really gave me a lot of ingenuity, creativity. It helped me just to to learn what focus was. I think I knew what focus was in high school and college, like how to do it academically. 
but I didn't really know how to transfer the focus I had for like studying and writing papers into more realistic, like real life ways. Um, and my debt-free journey definitely sharpened my focus on if you want this, this you have to follow this path that you've set for yourself. And if the path isn't working, you have to figure out a different path. You can't just say, well, like, okay, you can't give up. So that I'm always thankful for um, because it, it's, it's helped me to navigate a whole bunch of other things in my life um, outside of finances. I love that you mentioned that because I really do feel like even if it's a hair journey, even if it's um, you know, a financial journey, that the things that you learn in that process are applicable to other aspects of your life. And when you learn how to be disciplined, when you learn tenacity, when you learn, you know, humility in one area, then those can bleed into the other areas and really help for you to be more fulfilled. And so, you know, I think that a lot of people focus on debt freedom, because obviously, it's where a lot of people are stuck at. But as you had transitioned out of being, you know, in debt, what was it like if there were any mental shifts um, or emotional experiences that were different than when you were in debt? Did you notice any difference when you got out of debt? Um, yes. So <laughs> when I, I mean, I was only debt free for like a month because now I do have a mortgage, but it's, it's a different debt. That's a different feeling. Um, student loan, student loan mm-hmm. debt is just daunting and, and just, it's so difficult. Um, I, I noticed that once I finished paying off my student loans, I approached my relationship with money differently. Um, I also am now in, in therapy, not because of debt, but just because of life. And, and my therapist brought up a really great question where she asked me, well, where did I, where did I learn my relationship with money? Um, and I told her, you know, growing up, I didn't really have discussions about money. And then all of a sudden I was thrown into having to know everything about money because I wanted to get out of my debt-free journey. And it became one of my main focal points in my life and my relationships and everything. And everything came down to money. And it was always money, 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 money. I don't have the money. I need to save the money. And then when my debt-free journey came to an end or when my student loan payments came to an end, I felt that I was still focusing or harping on money, 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 money. Um, and using it instead of as a tool, I was using it almost like a weapon, like, no, I'm not going to do this because I don't have the money for this. And it's like, well, you can, you can navigate money a little differently. You can kind of take your foot off the pedal um, because you don't have to be as aggressive. And I think now that I have the knowledge and I'm using it more as a tool instead of as a weapon or a form of punishment against myself, it's, it's become more pleasant to kind of discuss money and it's become a lot easier and it's easier for me to teach things about money on my platforms on the internet and it's just it's easier for me to break things down because I'm not so ashamed or embarrassed or aggressive because my debt-free journey has come to a a nice little a little finale um so that that's something I really always want to keep in mind that money isn't a weapon or a punishment against me it's a tool and it's, it's important for me to always keep remember that Listen, at least your house is appreciated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> all the other debts, all the other debts are just keeps keep dragging you down. It's like having anchors around your yes, feet, you know yes, I mean? for sure. And so, a home at least is going to go up in value. It's an asset, you know, when you when you do pay it off because having paid off, you know, over a hundred and 
in student loans means it's just a matter of time until you pay Yes, that's the same. That's what I tell myself all the time. I'm like, all right, girl, well, now we're going to shift our focus to this mortgage because um, I'm not paying that for 30 years either. It's just these, these numbers, these years that the banks anticipate you paying off are so mind boggling. And I'm like, I can't, I'm like 30, I'll be 62 years old by the time I'm done with this. No way. Like I can't. And that's, that's what I always remember. So paying off my mortgage a little aggressively, it's, it's definitely cool. It's cool. Fun fact that I'm trying to, to achieve right now. So what would you advise to someone who maybe doesn't feel like they know much about um, money in general or their, their, you know, where to begin, I guess, you know what I mean? Um, I was scrolling on Instagram through the millennial in debt page and I was reading a caption and I'm like, Ooh, I got intimidated. And like you mentioned, um, a lot of people aren't having these conversations for fear of, you know, looking stupid for fear of, you know, who knows what, maybe it's their relationship with money. Um, how do you suggest people start educating themselves? Like where, where would you start? Oh, I love this question because I'm in education. Um, so there's a couple of different things and the internet can be so intimidating. Even my, myself, like I follow a lot of the finance blogs and I love them, but some days I'm just like, oh, am I not doing enough? Am I doing it wrong? So sometimes we have to just log out. <laughs> That's like a first, like just log out. The internet's a great tool, but it's not the only tool. Um, and definitely start by, becoming knowledgeable, I always suggest whenever people ask me, well, what's the first step I should take? Speak to your loan provider first. Because a lot of times when we're on our debt-free journey or starting our debt-free journey, our first instinct is to run. <laughs> it's to run away from the phone calls and the debt collectors. And it's like, no, don't run away from them. Run towards them and say, look, this is the money I have. This is what I can pay. What are the deals or what are the plans that I can set up? where I can make sure that I'm not going into default, right? Because you also don't want to mess up your credit because credit is extremely important, especially in, in our country. So you want to make sure that the debt collectors are on your side, so to speak, even though they're always on their own side, but that they're not attacking your credit score and that they're not attacking your bank account because they will go in and take their money. If you, if you don't have a deal with them, they'll go and take whatever they want from your from your check, they will start garnishment. So do not run. So that's the first thing I say, always speak to them and find out what are the options you have. After that, you definitely want to become knowledgeable, read books, go on the internet if you must and find out what's a promissory note, what's your interest, what um, what programs could you join if you are looking into loan forgiveness? Does your job offer something that, that can work uh, towards your loan? These are all important things that you need to be talking about at the beginning before you start figuring out how much you need to save because if you don't know what your monthly spend is going to be or your monthly payment is going to be you don't know how much money you need to save it, it becomes very arbitrary so you need a, a specific number and then you can work towards that number so don't run <laughs> don't run from the debt collectors definitely talk to them first perfect I love that yeah I think that um giving some insight on where to begin helps people to kind of come up with a, a beginner game plan you know what I mean and um I would love for you to let us know where we can find either you and or millennial in debt so that we can follow um follow the journey and and be educated through the the content that y'all create so where can we find you and all right support? awesome so on Instagram and YouTube we're millennial in debt 
Um, Twitter is mill in debt. So we had to shorten because of <laughs> the character limits. And then on the blog, we're on trialsandtresses.com, which you can find all types of information on finances, budgeting, side hustles. Um, and if you're also into like beauty and how to budget beauty into your life, um, that is also information that I put on there because, you know, sometimes you want to get your hair done or get your nails done. So we talk about that and like how to add that into your budget or into your, your financial lifestyle. Yes, I love that. We can we can still keep yeah. up with ourselves, you know what I mean, while we're while we're getting out of debt and whatnot. <laughs> you still look cute. <laughs> so I really do want to take some time to appreciate you and just say thank you, thank you for coming on the show, for sharing, you know, your journey and your insight with us. I know that so many people will be helped because of it. And we will definitely make sure to continue to support you and follow what you're doing. I'm learning things. I was on there and I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to Google that because I don't know Aww. what that means. Thank so. you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. It's, it's really an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. All right, Gems, we will talk to you next time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.